0: You are watching the Mighty Bee in sports, talking to all faunas of the globe, all faunas of the globe, oh, all corners of the globe. <laughs> it's a good start. <laughs> from, from, uh, <laughs> do you know who you are? <laughs> yeah, I do actually, let's cut straight to that. I'm Richard Keys. this good is Andy Gray, uh, we're live on Twitter and if there's anything during the show that you feel you could have missed and shouldn't have done or that you'd like to point out to your mates, there's a podcast available when we're finished as well. How's that? That's good. That's better. Okay, on we go. Crack on, son. We can run that back and do it yeah, all again. Do, right it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you play Fortnite? What? No, I thought you'd say that. Wow. Uh, nor me, but it is. Yes, it is, and yeah. it is something that is uh, adversely. Uh, um, Ralph Hasenhutl Yes, uh, was talking about this, Andy, a fortnight back. It is something that's adversely affecting football footballers, yeah, I right? I get now it. Yeah. Who are getting addicted to playing it until the small hours. Uh, but worse than that. I mean, literally addicted, and we shall be discussing later in the programme. Not good. Now, Old Trafford mm-hmm. used to be one of my favourite grounds, was probably my favourite ground. Um, but can you believe that Manchester United fans are concerned that um, there is decay setting into the stadium, Andy? It's brand new. As, well, three quarters of it are, but that main stand hasn't been touched for 27 years. Right. You know the one that backs up yeah, the yeah. railway line? Yeah, yeah. Leaky, old-fashioned. <laughs> Not good in terms of corporate hospitality. Is this suddenly on the back of the new White Hart Lane opening I I, I think it's on the back of new White Hart Lane and a whole host <laughs> of solid. others as well. Um, so o- Old Trafford crumbles shocker, we will be discussing later. <laughs> uh, so Jeff Hurst has been in Qatar this past week. Um, remember England's World Cup final hero? Sadly, talking about dementia, Andy, three of the 11, I think, that started that game against West Germany yeah. in 1966, suffering now... Uh, there's been a lot of call, obviously, for, for various different bodies to help as best they can. But for Sir Jeff, were it to happen to him, he says it's his family's responsibility.
1: No, I don't, uh, I, I don't feel that I should necessarily rely on any governing body to uh, look after me or my family if, if anything should go wrong. Uh, that's my general feeling. Some people feel differently, uh, and that, that's fine if they, f- they feel that way, but for myself, not at all.
0: Well, fair play to him, but um, I mean, there are many others. I think, and maybe Jeff's in a position whereby he he and his family could handle uh, such an issue. But there are many that aren't.
2: No, I don't agree with him. I have to say, Richard. I think that there are some really sad cases of, of you know players who have contributed hugely to British football. Um, who are unable to look after themselves, simply unable, played in a time when they didn't earn enough to retire on mm. and do need help, genuinely need help. I'm not saying they go around with a begging ball and, and ask for money all the time, but there are genuine cases out there where people need help. And I think the game has a, a, a duty it's duty-bound to look after these people. I, I believe that.
0: More from Sir later in the programme, and he'll be discussing VAR as well, uh, which I think some many years ago, we, we did prove, did we not, with technology, that the ball was over the line in 66? Never over the line. Never proved the thing. I did it, and the ball didn't cross the line. Well, th- that's why it didn't, because you did it. <laughs> the version that I did, it certainly, <laughs> it certainly did. Uh, incidentally, we're also, think about this, we're going to be talking to the managing director of the football club, the only English football club in history Never to have been relegated. Never. Who are they? We will discuss later because they're on the brink wow. of suffering that in, indignity for the first time.
2: Well, not Any idea. thoughts? No, not a, not a clue. Well, okay. it can't be one of the. I'm,
0: I'm guessing it can't be one of the 92 members of the league. Well, that's probably a yes, an yeah. accurate steer. Yeah. yeah, and this is what we did last week on keys and grey. We're going to be talking with the son of Jimmy Greaves. English football's messy. You know, if he, got, if he was to get something now, you know so
3: much support from not just the football people, but people in general yes. that, that do believe that Dad should have or should be honored.
0: Danny Rose today has come out with some fairly hard-hitting thoughts, views on racism. He says he's done with football, can't wait to retire.
2: I'm ashamed that here in Europe, not a weekend goes by
3: without a discriminatory act taking place on a football stadium. This feels, I don't know whether you agree guys, but it really feels like a moment in time. It feels that a lot of players are talking up now and a lot of players are making their voices heard, a voice that cannot be ignored and I think this is their time.
4: We are at the beginning. And of course, uh, I mean, uh, it takes time
2: to, to be perfect. When I have VAR, I can sleep better. Because of course, VAR is a very good parachute, it's a very good, you know, tools to, to help, but also to prevent. Listen, you know my feel about VR. I'm not anti vr at all. I'm all for that, matters of fact. And then you went into interpretation. Why do we need interpretation? Honestly, it is going to change the game. Interpretation is going to be a massive factor of VAR, and it shouldn't be. And that's the worst part of it.
0: A little more on VAR during the course of this programme. (laughs) Stories that have caught our eye and that we've kept an eye on, a variety of them this week. Blackpool. I don't. Blackpool's a story we've been covering for a considerable amount of time on Keys and Grey. Uh, in the throes now of being sold, but I, I didn't quite understand that. I'd, I'd like to know more as to why the EFL have come to that decision. I, I'm not advocating that they should be just docked points for the sake of it, but others in the same situation have been. Yes. I don't understand why they're a special case and they haven't been.
2: Have the EFL
0: not said why it's a special mm, case? Mm, I've I found nothing yet, nothing only yet. that paragraph.
2: Well, that's strange because normally... If that happens to you, if you have an 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 insolvency event, you do get deducted 12 points. Every other club that's suffered that has had that fate. I don't know why Blackpool was different. Pushing
0: hard for a playoff place, of course, in League One. So too Coventry, Andy, who this week have said they're on the brink of naming where they'll be playing their football next year. And once again, the EFL have got a big decision to make here because they have publicly stated Mm -hmm. if it's not in Coventry, then they could be expelled, the Super Sky Blues, from the Football League. So it won't decision be Northampton. Is Northampton you went to? It definitely won't be Northampton. Definitely decision not. will be made later in this month by the football league clubs themselves. Is it a the is a, has your city got
2: another ground we, We've done Baller the State? story.
0: We, we yeah. spoke to the Coventry United chairman. They play at the Coventry's locals from Coventry. What is that hold? It's the second stadium, the Butt Stadium, Ten, twelve thousand. 12,000. They is play it? rugby there as well. But no, it's a stadium in which I used to play cup finals. Oh, get off. <laughs> it's nice, actually. <laughs> There we are, a VAR. Absolute certainty. Uh, Jan Vertonghen, after the decision this week, which I don't think you agreed with. No, I didn't. Uh, No, I didn't. The point he makes is the very same point that we've been making, that if you watch it 20 times in slow motion, then we'll end up giving so many more penalties. I, I didn't think it was a pen for you, No. By the way, no one claimed for a penalty. No one. No. Not one Manchester nor City player. did they player. in Paris?
2: No, not one Manchester City player went up looking for a penalty in that, in that midweek. He says, we're going to have to defend differently. They will. As I said to you, even if you stand normally, if I'm standing normally and the ball hits my arm, they say, well, I've made my silhouette bigger because my silhouette's here, not mm. there. So they'll have to give penalties. The way they've worded it and the way they're going to run it, they'll be giving penalties an awful lot next season.
0: Uh, since they beat Real Madrid in 2011, Barcelona wow. this is, he's played 10 quarter-finals oh. and one semi-final and hasn't won any of them. Wow. Ah. Well, maybe that's, On the road. Maybe that's
2: why his team selection surprised a few at, uh,
0: at Spurs in midweek. Uh, Manchester United, of course, beaten at home by Barcelona. The speculation is that uh, Paul Pogba moved to Real Madrid, edged ever closer as a result. But this was quite interesting. Yeah. Jonathan Wilson in the Guardian saying that Solskjaer needs to be now more than just not Mourinho yeah, at Manchester yeah, United, having lost four of their last five, now remember. Yeah. Uh, Peter Schmeichel was amongst our guests for our Champions League coverage this week. These were his thoughts.
4: Manchester United not performing too well. And Barcelona, they only win 1-0. And it's on an own goal. Um, this is not impossible for, for Man United to go to Barcelona and get a result. They are not the force they used to be. And Barcelona is, is definitely a team that you can challenge. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, New Camp is very difficult, um, but there are some points that you can challenge them on. But it needs to be a much, much better Manchester United team if they uh, want a chance to go through. I don't think you can criticize him for anything because the reality is he's taken over a squad of football players that he hasn't chosen. That was that was designed for two other managers, if if you can put it like. First with Van Gaal, mm-hmm. brought a lot of players in, nice. and later with Mourinho, two different styles as well. Uh, he wants to play in a certain way. He wants to play the way that Manchester United is supposed to play. Mm-hmm. He hasn't got the players. It's very clear uh, after today that you know certain players will fit into that system, and certain players won't. Mm-hmm. So what he's had to do now, or what he's got to do now, is to manage the rest of the season. And see if he can sneak into the top fours of this Champions League football at Old Trafford next season. That would be a, that would be a great success. See, I, I can't think of a manager that hasn't been
0: appointed to take charge of a football club and somebody else's players. And those same players were sweeping to wins early yeah. in Solskjaer's yeah, yeah. time at Manchester United. Yeah. Uh, he took over when they were sixth. They're now sixth. Yeah. They were then 19 points behind the leaders. They're now 21. Mm-hmm.
2: Listen, um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer um, has, has, has taken over Manchester United, Richard, not Cardiff. He's taken over Manchester United. And talk of players not being good enough, that's, that shouldn't be a case. If you're playing for Manchester United, you must be of the highest level. So mm. it's Ole's job to get the best out of mm. them. I don't get that it's not his side. No. English
0: clubs this week said, no, thank you. But I, I, I rather suspect that the, the ECA will expand their European competitions, Andy, along these lines. Now, this is what's being discussed. 32, three three groups, 32 in the elite group, Champions League, 32 in the second tier, and we've heard there's a third competition being brought back, isn't there? 32 teams in the third tier. In the Champions League, these four groups of eight, therefore creating 14 more matches during the course of a season. How they fit them in, where and when they fit them in, I don't know. The English clubs are saying, no, we want to protect our product, but they might be protecting... Only their product. The best, the best way to protect a product, you know, and this
2: might sound stupid, I'm arguing against myself, the best way to protect a, pro- a product, Richard, is not to saturate the market with it. What these, what these authorities are doing now they're saturating the market with that football
0: I, if we had time I'd argue that because yeah. we, we heard that back in 92 when no, we launched no, the brand not, new
2: no, not, no the Premier League has got smaller coverage. They're 42 games are down to 38 games now we, we, we right, haven't we, we, we haven't continue that argument the then
0: there's going to be a break next year isn't there not a complete break mm-hmm. 10 teams one weekend yeah. 10 teams the next well I understand the FA's disappointment in hearing this week that English clubs have refused <laughs> to guarantee <laughs> that's, that's no that surprise. they will not be that's playing <laughs> lucrative friendlies in that break what are they thinking about uh, no idea uh, you're saying whole, less games they're continuing to play they're earning money of their
2: own volition they're earning money exactly but i, I just don't I, I listen they might be well earning money and i go back to you. The, the supporters will turn off i'm telling you now the more and more football i see far too many empty seats at football matches champions league games premier league games than i should be seeing mm. and that's a worry for me
0: uh mentioned this last week when we were working across the weekend here in the, the middle east and north africa andy mm. um uh, Matthew's notebook's always a good read for of Sarri a young player is 23 mm-hmm. uh, Odi's 18 so that's maybe why he's not been wanting to start him as often as others uh, forget his age him. his age
2: shouldn't come into it the, the boy's ability his, his mental toughness his ability to cope with playing football if he's 18 years of age and he's got the talent to cope at the Premier League level and get in Chelsea's
0: team forget his age why should his age come into it It's ridiculous. If he's good enough, get him in. They say he's earning something like £100,000 a week, or could be. Uh, This was interesting um, from the Sunday Mirror last weekend. His dad used to play football too uh, on, what was it, £7 a month? £7 a month. Wow. Well, times have changed. (laughs) (laughs) Times (laughs) <laughs> Times <laughs> have
2: changed
0: uh, Well done Ann Budge Hearts who have taken the initiative And closed a section of the ground By their own volition They've, they've decided this Andy After problems with uh, the, the pyrotechnics Fireworks mm-hmm. uh, This affects about 200 season ticket holders uh, We've spoken to Ann on this programme previously yes, They're yes. at the fore of making good changes in Scotland And they've done it again here Saying look yes, if good. This, this continues You don't need to punish us We'll make the decision Correct. And that's what they've done And they've done that Yeah well done Hearts And Ann well done, done uh, this, I thought, was interesting from the perspective that it doesn't necessarily leap out as a good story because Hull have lost a fight with the taxman over image rights. Yes. But if the taxman pursues others mm-hmm. with the same ferocity as they have yeah. done Hull, yeah. that could become a very big story, couldn't it?
2: Uh, I, I think this is... It's always, for me, it looks like HMRC in the UK had used Hull as a test case. And they've gone after image rights. They've been after image rights for a long time, Richard. They've mm. been trying to find a way to stop people being paid offshore for image rights. They haven't been able to do it now. But they've picked Hull because it's Hull, small club. It's, it's 400,000. We're talking that Giovanni allegedly was paid abroad, offshore. Now they've won the case. Let's wait. I think this might be the thin end of a very fat wedge. <laughs> so I'm telling
0: you. As it happens, we'll once again keep our eye on that. And that you will have an association with. Oh yes. The last time Watford were in an FA Cup final, it was to play your Everton. Mm-hmm. Now somebody's messed up in the diary. Eighteenth of me.
2: Help me, it? Oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Is he? Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. what's he going to do? I suspect the concert will be Can postponed. I, I,
2: yeah, I think we might find out that will be the 19th of May, that last one. Yeah. <laughs> that may get moved.
0: And do you remember a young man called Mikey... Um, Pooley. Yes, Mikey mm-hmm. Pooley. We spoke to both Mikey and his dad, of course, yeah. John. Mikey's the young man who wasn't born blind, but has uh, got this terrible degenerative disease and, and now is, is blind. Uh, here he is this past weekend, he's meeting Tim Cahill. Oh, I love it. Um... Tim amongst our guests this weekend. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Here on B in sports. <laughs> that's where I school the headers. There. So it yeah? Feels like, yeah. And Tim's What's message this? was never give up. Yeah. There's yeah. maybe a cure, and if there were, or if we in yeah, some small way a played cool. a part in helping Mikey See? and his dad John find is it. it? Uh,
5: yeah, that's number four.
0: Yeah. I'd be so pleased.
5: H. good boy. Oh, Such sorry. a nice lad.
0: H. Yeah. His motto is okay. impossible is nothing. My man.
5: See how good's that. So I'm going to sign
2: this
0: for you. Lovely. Great stuff. We've nice. met Mikey previously, yeah. of course. Uh, fixed this weekend, all of them live on our BN Sports channels in the Middle East and North Africa and Indonesia. And as I said, uh, Tim, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank um, joining us as well through the weekend. Right, Harry Kane mm. in the news this week. Yeah. Uh, in the news when he tweeted that, Andy, back end of last year, was it? To his mate, uh, Delhi Ali. That's all to do with their desire. Diction 2. Do they play it as well? No, two right. We're talking about it next. It's good to have you company. You're watching Keys and Grey to all corners of the globe. Well done. From our International Broadcast Centre here. Why are they corners? I don't know, I, I've never really understood that Fort it's a, a very good question of, yeah. don't know. Don't know. another one that might baffle you, Fortnite? two weeks <laughs> 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 it's also an addictive oh, game right, right? Oh, um, I, I've never I, heard of it I'd like, to, I'd, I'd like to tell you that I had and that I was young enough to have been yeah. engaged in, in, in playing but I, I, I've only heard of it because of what I read about it online video game I'm sure most of the audience Andy have some idea or maybe even have played at well, it's 250 time, million of them have correct um, comes in two modes save the world up to four players fight for a survival to protect their location in the battle royale where up to 100 players are fighting to be the last person standing on some makeshift island apparently is that? It's not Thunderbirds when I was a lad yeah how was that yeah, yeah. far more enjoyable <laughs> well,
2: they were good Thunderbirds were cool.
0: go <laughs> the reason that we're talking about it is because it has become the game of choice for today's footballers Prince Harry wants it banned, such as the addiction to it. We saw that tweet the other side of the mic. Yeah. Harry Kane yeah. en- engaging in conversation with Deli Alley about it. Playing That's the problem. A lot of them are and beyond. And this is on oh, match God. nights ahead of big that's games what it, as well. That's it used what to it. be your generation, yeah. back of the coach with yeah. a few quid going to the game, didn't it? Playing cards. Well, give a card, yeah. Not now. So, how much of a problem is it? Well, who better to ask that Question to then addiction psychotherapist and counsellor, Steve Pope, who's our next guest. Steve, how are you? Hi, Steve.
5: I'm good. Thanks for inviting me on the show. I've watched you for many years. It's a real privilege, I can say. You're the one.
0: (laughs) You're the one, Steve. Thank you very much for that. (laughs) Steve, it's great to have your company. Thank you for joining us. How how much of a problem is Fortnite?
5: Well, it's a problem for... The young, in general, and and footballers are just a microcosm. Young footballers are a microcosm of what uh, you know youngsters are facing in general. So they, why should they be any different? Young footballers are by by the very fact that they are good at football, OCD in nature, perfectionist, competitive, and they are the most vulnerable. They, they also spend a lot of time on coaches, trains, planes, in hotel rooms, and and, and the great thing. The great problem we have now is that the FA and the SFA uh, are clamping down on gambling, alcohol and drugs. So they get their high now from playing this game to unheard of, you know, I think you just said four, five, six o'clock on a game day. And, and it's worse when they're away because when they're at home, they've got the missus or they've got the parents or they've got, they've got somebody who can say, for God's sake, get to bed.
2: Mm. But, is it, uh, Steve, is this just a small problem? Are, are there really... Reams and reams of footballers playing well, people playing professional sport involved in this game, and, and not just this game, but any kind of online game to the early hours of the morning. Yeah, it's
5: the silent epidemic. It, 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 it's, it's competitive, they play it between teammates. If you look last summer, Deli Alley, uh, Danny Rose, uh, Harry Kane, Kieran Trippier, when they're away with England, were playing it to. The, the early hours of the morning, most evenings, and 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 they play it between each other. So not only they're competitive on the training ground and on the football pitch, but they compete against each other. So and, and it's addictive, you know. It, as I say, it's not just football that's affecting; it's affecting kids and you know young adults in particular across the world. You know, the UK has the third biggest problem with this behind South Korea and the United States of America. Right. So it, it's there. And as I say, it's very hard to regulate. That's why people like me are getting involved and in talking to academies, talking to the youth teams, and trying to head it off at the past before you know they get over-involved, because it's a career destroyer. You know, Andy, you'll know from your professional days, you know, not getting a good night's... I'm not saying you never did, but if not getting a good night's sleep before the game, uh, for a variety of reasons, it isn't the best way to prepare no. for a game. No, it's not.
2: No,
0: it's not, you're I, right. Variety of reasons in Andy's day, Steve, but we no. won't go into that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was just I was getting in at fourth. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve what, what, just, what is your message exactly then to the boys?
5: Well, it, it, it's, I think the message is to the family, to the clubs. You watch what your players are doing. Would you send your player up to, the, up to his hotel room the night before the game with a bottle of vodka, willingly? If the answer is no, would you let them up there with a PlayStation uh, willingly? And the answer is probably no. It's not just. I think if I could just say very quickly, I worked with Neil Robinson, a snooker player, and Neil Robinson got to the stage with his game gaming addiction that halfway through a game in Hong Kong. He thought, oh, I've had enough of this. I can get a better high upstairs. He threw the towel in, went upstairs wow. and went back on the game station. Maybe. So it, it's there. It's, you know what I'm saying? So you, you, I'm really grateful to you guys, you know, because your are respected figures in football helping get this message out because it is the silent epidemic. It's affecting a lot of our young players. And and me as a Tottenham fan, I'd like to think that my, my hard-earned wages when I go down the new yeah. White Hart lane, You know, are well spent, and that Delhi Alley and the rest of the boys are up for the game.
0: Yes, I'm glad you mentioned you're a Tottenham fan because we're all puzzled Uh, as to what the shirt is doing over your right shoulder. Yes, Uh, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Number 20, that's it. (laughs) But But, you use the word epidemic. That actually is frightening, isn't it?
5: Well, it it, it is. Yeah, the whole and it is an epidemic you know as i say, i'm not just working with footballers i, I work with you know kids who are at university kids who are, who are doing sats you know and gcses and you know they might say they're going to go on for, for five minutes fifteen minutes five hours later they're still on it and the trouble is parents like me in particular aren't that good you know my it expert goes to bed about eight nine o'clock she's 10 years old <laughs> you know i don't know too much about it but you know these kids run rings around me it's uh, you know and and we 've got to be aware it is an epidemic, and you know the, the f a somehow you know and it 's taken long enough to look at the gambling issues and look at the alcohol and mm. drugs issue they 've got to now address this, and we 're to we 're going to be ahead of our game on this one because it 's massive because, <laughs> because there's no everybody has the internet into, you know interwoven into their life yeah, i mean i'm speaking out the internet i think and yeah. you know and you know we're going got to help them manage it because it 's not just Fortnite, and if they get rid of Fortnite, like Prince Harry says, there's another game they'll all play, competitive game, not just Fortnite, it gives them access to pornography, it gives them access to gambling, the whole thing, the, you know, the, the whole thing. In my day, we used to go down the park, get a bottle of cider and think we were, you know, we were the bees and back <laughs> the bees, the these days, they open up the laptop and it's all yeah.
0: there. So, Well, Steve, I suspect it's something that we are going to return to and we will be talking with you again going forward. But in the meantime, thank you for your (laughs) kind words, first of all, and secondly, for your contribution. And good luck next week. Good luck next week, City.
2: I'm I'm going. Thank
0: you. Good (laughs) lad. Enjoy the night. Thanks, Steve. Steve Pope on the concerns and uh, you can understand it it. the modern generation and the addiction to online gaming Uh,
2: Listen, you know my feelings about things like that I think they're very dangerous for the kids of today and even not the kids of today, the adults of today are having big enough problems with it
0: Mm. So, when we come back we will be joined by John Cross a little later in the programme and we're going to be discussing the possibility of relegation for the only English club never to have been relegated previously, who are they? Have a think about that And so, to an English country garden somewhere north of London.
2: Is that John's garden?
0: <laughs> My goodness, John, your garden's looking beautiful today. You've been busy. <laughs> He's actually at Tottenham. Oh, is if that? I'm not mistaken. Oh, I <laughs> wish, I wish. <laughs> He's working. <laughs> so, John, what, what are we talking about with Harry Kane? Is this, um, is this World Cup fatigue? Is it ankle weakness? Or what exactly is it?
3: Guys, it's interesting, isn't it? I was thinking about this the other day, and if, if this were a Jack Wilshere um, incident again, we'd say that we'd begin to be saying that he was injury-prone, wouldn't we, really? Um, he's had so many ankle issues that you do begin to think that he must have some sort of ankle, yes. ankle problem, really, which might just begin to plague him throughout his career. I, I, listen, he's a full-blooded player. He's a wonderful player. The other night, I do think it was almost 50-50 because I think Kane went in full-blooded. Delph went in full-blooded, almost to protect himself. Um, And and, and it's certainly Kane that came off worse, really. It's a very similar ankle injury, I'm told, to the one that suffered against Man United in January. That, That one kept him out for five weeks, seven games. And if you follow that logic then it's going to be very, very tight for Harry Kane to get up to match fitness, up to match sharpness um, for England in the Nations League in the summer. But Harry Kane and his ankles, I'm afraid to say, mm. are becoming a real worry, not just for Spurs, but for England and Gareth Southgate and for English football. What about Spurs in the run-in, John? How are they feeling? Do they feel that this is
2: damage that they can't recover from? Or will the confidence of the good run when well, he was out last
3: time well, he help them along? Yeah, and... And, and it's very interesting, isn't it? That, that basically last time, of course, they, they cope really well without him. Yeah. Um, Human Song, in particular, really stepped up to the plate, and uh, uh, he, he took on that, that responsibility. They, they were perhaps even more impressive in the way that they sort of shared responsibilities around. You could almost argue that they became more of a team, um, trying to make up for the absence of their talisman, their main man, their t- top striker. Uh, and when Harry Kane came back actually results fell away slightly <laughs> uh, which was something we weren't expecting but I, listen, I just feel that the business end of this season particularly obviously the Champions League. They've got such a huge game next week of the second leg uh, uh, to to potentially finish what they started in such good fashion. They'll miss Harry Kane. I think Harry Kane not only scores goals, Mm. his all-round play is is spectacular. I think the way that he's developed his game over the last two or three seasons, the way he drops deep, the way he spreads play, the way he links up play, is really is is what makes him a world-class striker. And I just think it would be Idiotic to suggest that Spurs, while I'm sure that they will do their best to cope um, with, without him, I do think that they will miss him and they'll miss him big time over the next few weeks. It's a serious blow, it has to be seen as such.
0: John, all that noise, is that the open top bus reversing back into the garage? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, that's Spurs getting ready for their annual trophy parade. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: there speaks there speaks an Arsenal fan.
3: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think I think I was so impressed the other night. You, you, you know, we pro- probably haven't touched on this, but honestly, the other night I think the stadium was was fantastic. It was rocking at White Hart Lane. That that was I felt that was their homecoming. That that. that the atmosphere, yeah, right. mm-hmm. the yeah. way it feels, the way they've transplanted the the, the the best bits of the old stadium into into the you know bright shiny dynamic new, I think is something that's really sort of uh, really really impressive, and I do think that, that that certainly gave them a fresh impetus, a fresh energy, I think, to take into the into the Champions League um, performance and the victory they got. Whether one deal will be enough remains to be seen. But I do think it's advantage Tottenham right now in that fascinating All-English tie. Right, now, John, no ifs, buts, maybes, or I don't knows here because
0: I know you do. And it's been bothering me all season long. All of us. More recently because of the form he's in. Why did Arsenal withdraw their contract offer to Aaron Ramsey?
3: Well... Listen, there is a story behind it, and it is a fascinating one, in that basically Aaron Ramsey, I do think, wanted to know. He could see the writing on the wall. He could see the managerial change at the back end of last season, if you like. So I think he wanted to know, before he pushed things further, whether he was part of the manager's plans. Unai Emery came in and said to Aaron Ramsey straight away, you're part of my plans, you're one of my five captains, I want you to stay. And so negotiations were pushed on to to a point where in September um, and early October, I do think Aaron Ramsey pretty much agreed something. He didn't actually agree it, but they they were pretty much there. It was a good deal. Um, I do think it's probably similar to what he'll be getting um, at Juventus. And he was ready to sign that. And suddenly, for whatever reason, whether it was Unai Emery perhaps not thinking that Aaron Ramsey was the player that he thought he was. And he thought he was getting a kind of a very muscular, very powerful, strong, uh, forward-running player who could score goals, but also, and this is key, be at the front of the press um, for Arsenal. He would lead the charge, if you like, and be that dynamic box-to-box player um, that Arsenal so need. And for whatever reason... Over those early weeks of that season Unai Emery must have had a change of heart and thought I've got a limited budget, the club needs to um, reduce the wage bill and therefore I'm not sure that Anne Ramsey is exactly what we need and if we've got limited money then we need to have a look to see whether Ramsey is indeed the best value for money that we can and the club and Emery, obviously Emery making the final choice, decided at that point you know what? We we're best off spending our money elsewhere, and we have to withdraw that offer. Can Where I ask I think you, sorry, Arsenal John? It's been crazy. In that, whatever, you, whatever you think of that deal and whatever's happened since, why not just get him to sign it? Well, because, because I, I, that this season was my point. would have been just borne out, and in my view, they would have just, they would have. Anne Ramsey would have changed their opinion, but if he hadn't then they could still cash in on the player this yeah. summer and sell him for a Absolutely. big big money offer. So whichever way you look at it, the, the business and, and, and the, the handling of that contract situation, I'm afraid to say, has shown that Arsenal as being naive and horribly wrong.
0: Has to go down as one of the colossal clangers
3: of 100%.
2: all
0: time. Has, has 100%. To.
3: 100%. do not get it. Never did get it. Never did
2: get it. Do you want to touch Tell on Chelsea? On Chelsea. Um, fans at it again for Chelsea how are they dealing with this are they going about it the right way and how do we deal with it in football in general do you think
3: well Andy I have to say yes I do think they're they're, they're dealing it very very well um How can you legislate for six fans no. who arguably probably had, a, you know, I mean, they're filmed in a bar, so, you know, they might well have been drinking. How can you legislate for that and how do you deal with that? It's a very difficult situation. And I think the swiftness um, that Chelsea did deal with it, they barred three um, fans from getting in the ground. You obviously know the details of the other three. I think they're on the front foot immediately. Chelsea are a club that have been really hit by uh, problems of this nature. Mm whether it's racist chanting, anti-Semitic chanting, real issues. And I think credit to Chelsea, where credit's due, is that they are determined to take a stance which shows to their fans that they've got a zero-tolerance policy on it, and determined to take a strong stance and make a stand on it. And I do think that, that now Chelsea fans have seen at all levels, whether that's in a bar whether it's something they've been doing within the stands, the, the the club is not prepared to take it any further at all. John, what are you hearing
0: about a potential sale of Chelsea?
3: Well, listen, the word in football, I guess, is that despite the denials, Roman Abramovich, I think, at some point, uh, you know, for some value, I think, would perhaps be ready to sell at some point. I mean, the club will deny that. Abramovich denies that. And me personally, I think Abramovich has been great for Chelsea. I think he's been good for, for English football. He's taken it on to a whole new level. Mm. So, you, you know, I just feel that if Abramovich doesn't feel that he's, he's welcome in this country, which I think is a great shame, by the way, um, I, I, at some point, I think he's going to be tempted to sell. It would be just interesting to see at what point, at what, at what price will, will, will Abramovich, you know, that perhaps part with, with that club I mean the club is going through a period of transition isn't it? Difficult times yes. with the transfer ban, you know the stadium and stadium development I just don't know at the moment it doesn't. It feels like Abramovich you know either takes that club on and takes it to the next level or indeed sells and allows someone else to do so mm, great. J- Just one more quick one John uh, Gareth Bale,
2: is there a chance that he could leave Real Madrid? Mm.
3: Yeah, I, I think, Andy, where I think the issue is, is that basically the fans have turned against him. And I think that Florentino Perez loves Gareth Bale. And every time that, that, that basically we think Gareth Bale's reached the end at Real Madrid, you know, he stays and he goes on and, and develops. I don't think that Gareth Bale gets nearly enough credit or praise. He is a sensational British player who has been part of the, one of the most successful Real Madrid teams in history. Agreed. Now tell me how that can be misconstrued as some sort of failure. I just don't get it. But I do feel as if the time is, is now, perhaps for a new challenge for him, Perhaps it, because once you lose the fans, it's very difficult to win them yeah. back. He deserves more respect than he's getting. The problem that Gareth Bale will have, he earns so much money, and Real Madrid will want so much in terms of a transfer fee, that it's difficult to see too many teams in the Premier League, let alone the rest of Europe, being able to afford him.
0: Well, if you were ever thinking about leaving the Daily Mirror, John, there'd be the same kind of fee being discussed,
3: I think, as far as your
0: talents are concerned. And clamour for his signature. Oh, absolutely Absolutely. right. (laughs)
3: Absolutely. Can I I issue a come and get me, please? (laughs) You have (laughs) gone.
0: John, thanks as ever. We'll talk next week. Thanks, John. (laughs) John Craig <laughs> chief football you. writer, of course, at the Daily Mirror. And as we always say, if things are happening in the English football scene mm-hmm. that he doesn't know about, well, no. they're not worth knowing about. No. Absolutely. So, a crumbling old Trafford is next on our agenda. <laughs> it is no, extraordinary. It's extraordinary. Honestly, uh, we'll hear from Sir Geoff Hurst and we'll be talking about the only English football club, 100 years old or more, never relegated. Here's a date to put in your diary, an international friendly between Brazil and Qatar, 5th of June 2019, we'll have it of course live on the sports. that all by way of a warm-up to the uh, Copa America, which takes place this Mm. summer. So, isn't that beautiful, the new benchmark? Oh
2: yes. Tottenham Hotspur. Magnificent. It is pretty special, isn't it? Mm. Really. Now, when you kept going on about a billion pound stadium that no one believed you were, that you were right. It's fantastic. Wembley, of course, over yeah. what, a decade yeah. or
0: so ago now. Yeah, yeah they've got that Arsenal there. Which at its time, and it's strange to say that, but but you Spurs have eclipsed it. Manchester what? City, who just keep getting bigger and better. Spurs Not have just eclipsed, within the arena. But Spurs that. have eclipsed everybody with a stadium, well, have really. but, but City, of course, have got that beautiful mini stadium outside a little bit like Barcelona Liverpool of put up the new stand which uh, shades i will have to change that sign Sir Kenny mm-hmm. good spot yeah but that's
2: a note to Liverpool th- Sir Kenny
0: this Daniel from Daniel Tellier in the Guardian this week actually uh, the only reporter at the moment Andy talking about this until now That Manchester United fans are getting increasingly unhappy about the lack of investment in their stadium it's falling apart railway line side they say no work on that main stand for 27 years? Or no, I, I, I get that. But I know. But listen, to investigate <laughs> uh, further, uh, we are going to be talking well, to our next guest here, Barney Chilton, who's the editor of Red News, uh, the most popular Manchester United fanzine, the first of them, if I'm not mistaken, Barney. Um, that's right, Richard. Uh, so, uh, hi, so Barney. What are Manchester oh, yeah. United fans saying to you then about this decrepit arena that is Old Trafford these <laughs> <Yeah>. days? <laughs> no.
6: Well, it, it's, it's, it's a contentious one because... Um, Old Trafford has an aura it's our home, it has romance, it has history so I'm sure there's a there's a sizable amount who would go I'm happy with the way it is but I look at it that it's a have and have not stadium I'm perfectly happy where I am I've sat in K-Stand behind the goal since 1989 but we've had a leaking roof when it rained for about 10 years <laughs> and there's, the simple things haven't been done and when the simple things aren't done in the have-not areas, you look at the exec uh, parts, which look shiny and new, and there's a disparity that's appeared. And football is evolving at such a race uh, a pace now with Spurs' stadium that you think you can't get left behind. United were always uh, the, the lead pack, with Anfield as well, where we set the tone yes. on how stadiums mm-hmm. looked. Uh, Louis Edwards and Samat... We're pushing this and it, it coincided with the World Cup in 1966, the cantilever stand. And I don't want Old Trafford to get left behind. Um, and because of the pace, you know, any work that we're talking about and nothing's in the pipeline is five years away. Now, where's the game going in that in that part? You know, you've got the World Cup coming up. Um, I'm just fearful. Um, we... You know, we've had uh, issues with the Glazers over there spending and we've done a detail that it's roughly about £3 million per year since they've taken over, has gone into the stadium or developments in Carrington. And that's just not enough.
2: Are they aware, Barney, the owners, the Glazers, are they aware of your, uh, your complaints well, about this? they don't come
6: very often, so... No. Uh, And and there's a lot of pressure still, you know, about their their ownership from uh, certain fans, including ourselves. Um, You'd like to think so. For me, it's a no-brainer. The demand for tickets for the other night was 40,000 above the applications that they could fulfil. And obviously, not every game is going to be like that. But if you build it, to use a cliche and corny line, but they will come, you know. The demand for footballs there, um, and, and there are plans that, that there's the railway line is a problem. But the way that uh, building can be done now, there there are ways around above the railway line and below it. Um, and as Danny Taylor said, it, it's it's very hard, but it's not impossible. And with a bit of vision, uh, now whether whether the people I chat to were right or not, they they said that there were these plans were put on the shelf because of the costs. Now, of course, it's going to be a short-term uh, bit of pain, but the gain, you know, to put us back on the map with Old Trafford, I- I'd never want to move. That wouldn't be a consideration for me, but they, the, the, the Glazers do own a lot of land around the ground, yeah. so there are ways, as Spurs have shown.
2: So, what do, you, what do you think it's going to cost? Sorry, Barney, have you got a figure? Have you guys got a figure? what you think it would take to, to bring all well, up to the I, standard I you want? I think we're
6: talking about 200, 300 million. But okay, like Barney, let me ask you: if the Glazers now, were
2: here and said, "Okay, Barney, I'm going to take, it's going to take two or three hundred million, we're not going to be able to spend that on players," would would that be okay for well, you? No, and this is where it, it would
6: become contentious yeah. for fans.
2: But
6: I mean, there's there's been that much taken out. Of yeah. the club yeah. mm. uh, on the debt and, yes. and paying yes. that off, that we're we're seeing it leak away instead of going into the areas that we'd like it to. Right. Um, and for me, I, I do think you know we can criticise the board. I think there is a demand from the board side at Old Trafford for this to happen right. because they know. You know, it, 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 it's an uncomfortable, and I always think where I am, as I say, I'm happy with that. It's quite cramped, uh, the service, you know, you see football grounds now with all these amenities. This, that's hard to do in where yes. I am, and the, when my generation is no longer here, the football fan of 20 or 30 years will not want the Old Trafford that we have now.
0: And I suppose, Barney, it hurts all the more because the noisy neighbours have Eclipsed, yeah, you know, it, on the football it, it pitch hurts. and I mean, in terms
6: of your stadium now, we're, we're in a very strange <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> era for Manchester United, and people would say that's deserving because of all the success we've had. You know, I've lived through barren times in the seventies and a few in the eighties, um, but we don't seem to have a compass point. That's what I keep coming back to in the fanzine. We don't seem to know the course that we're setting at the moment, and that is a worry.
0: Barney, we will continue to follow. Thank you very thank much you for talking to us. Okay, thank you. Barney Chilton, editor of Red News on Old Trafford, which needs attention. It doesn't. The city they've been building the stadium, a mini it. city, and spending money. I can't on the, team. the leaking. I mean, it rains often enough in Manchester. You think they get that sorted? Come on. <laughs> and so to our next subject, uh, Sir Geoff Hurst, who's been in Qatar this week. England's hat-trick hero, of course, back in 1966. Sadly, three of the 11 that he started that game with have subsequently been diagnosed with dementia since. Uh, lost Gordon Banks recently. Um, uh, but Sir Jeff will discuss with us in a moment, Andy, VAR, but, mm. but first of all, that very contentious subject about care for those affected by what they put into the game during the 60s and 70s, maybe earlier as well.
1: It's a privilege to be involved with a group of players and to be successful and to, to, to achieve that with a special group of players and, and the only time it's been done. No, I don't, uh, I, I don't feel that I should necessarily rely on any governing body to uh, look after me or my family if, if anything should go wrong. Uh, that's my general feeling. Some people feel differently uh, and that, that's fine if they, f- they feel that way, but for myself, not at all.
3: Do you think that there needs to be more research? clearly seen the, you know, the likes of Jeff, Jeff Astle and others of his area and people have, have suffered from heading the ball like that too much?
1: Well, it, until there's any in-depth research, I think there will be, I think there is now a lot of talk about getting research into those kind of injuries of the players. It would be very, my view about that, it would be very difficult at the moment without research for somebody to take it further and prove categorically if somebody has Alzheimer's, or dementia, that it's because they've headed the foot. Because we, we all know, of course, there are many, in, many, many instances of people getting uh, Alzheimer's and dementia without having headed the ball. Uh, and younger, younger people are cursed with that awful disease. Women, who've, who've obviously, again, um, suffer from that. So it would be very difficult to prove if they took it to, to that extent but what is what is right, of course, when they are going to they started or they're going to start very shortly some really serious research into that, and there's no doubt they should. And if suggestions that one of the suggestions has been made that kids shouldn't be allowed to head a ball up to uh, is it 12 or 13 years of age, I'd certainly go along with that. That wouldn't affect necessarily the uh, the quality of, of of teaching and and player development. That would be a positive move forward, and uh, so I I certainly think it'll happen if it's not already started to happen via the FA and the PFA.
0: What are your views on um, VAR?
1: VAR generally, I'm not sure of the progression. I was very much in favour of, of goal-line technology if that, that had to happen. And it would have shown quite clearly, of course, that my goal was over the line. In terms of what's progressing from there, it, it's getting a little... Compl- I don't think they've ironed it out as, as well as they perhaps could have done I still believe fundamentally that the, the referee and linesman should be controlling the game. It's going to come in. It, it, well, it's almost in now. As a, I can't say I'm necessarily a fan. I heard two senior players, ex-players, talking about it on the radio the other day on the way home from the, the Wembley game for about 20 minutes. And I was, I was falling asleep. I thought, goodness me, the first face, second place, 20 minutes ago. So my honest answer, I'm not too necessarily sure as a spectator watching games where VAR is going to be involved but it's here it's modern technology and it's go- it is happening and will happen hopefully they'll uh, iron out some of the creases in the before we have the next tournament
0: well said Sir Jeff talking mm. with Angus Scott this mm. past week United of course relegated 74 was it something like that uh, Woolwich Arsenal in the 20s yeah when they were Everton uh yeah uh, Liverpool pre-shanks Yes. They've all yeah, well, been down. One club that hasn't. Western Super Mayor of the Vanarama South. Well, it's getting close, though. Unfortunately, it looks like after two or three it's close getting, shades in recent seen Nine points. ...that the trap door has opened for them. Oh, dear. Ollie Bliss is Western Super Mayor's managing director. Ollie, what's happened and why? <laughs>
7: We've been sort of struggling over the last few years fighting relegation. We've had a couple of good seasons in the middle of there Um, but yes now we are rock bottom at the moment.
0: It's a proud record Oli, 100 years plus, never relegated but it does look like it's coming to an end doesn't it?
7: Yes it's a a pretty impressive record. We did look back um, to check all of the history. Um, We thought it was a an impressive record that no one else had, but we weren't 100% sure. Um, we've got four games left. Wonderful. They are winnable, but we have to win all four.
2: Yeah. It's a big ass, that, Oli, though, isn't it?
7: It is a big ass. We won on Saturday. But, yeah, I think if we don't win all four, then it, that is it. We will be going down for the first time in our history. Oh, that's I, not
1: good. I
0: shouldn't be laughing. No, it's not I good. mean, it is remarkable when you think about it during that period of time, never relegated. No. Although there have been one or two close shaves, haven't there? When others' misfortune has got you out of trouble.
7: Yeah, that's right. There was a couple of club mergers and financial issues from other clubs when we were, I think, second or third from bottom. So we were saved. Um, we've never been bottom and saved. Because uh, three get relegated, obviously yeah. from the league, so it would be a bigger at this time.
0: But are, are you are you still prepared to 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 think positively? If, 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 I mean, if you win the games, you stay. Is it as simple as that?
7: In all four. That, I think that's forty points. We, we believe we'll stay up if we win all four. Yes.
0: Oh. Starting where, Ollie?
7: Um, East Thurrock on Saturday.
2: How, how tough are they? Tell us, are they one of the better sides in your league? Uh,
7: the last four games are all down in the bottom eight oh, okay. places, I think. Right. Ah, well, that, so they, that's, that's they encouraging. They are winnable.
0: That is encouraging. But I, d- does it hurt rather more that your bottom and, and Torquay are top of that league right now, your near <laughs> neighbours?
7: Impressive. We're in the same league as them, really. They should be a couple of leagues above us. Yeah. We've managed to take four off them this season as well. (laughs) I I can see how proud you
2: are. That's why why your fans are singing, can we play you every week? (laughs) That's
7: right, that would be great,
0: yeah. And a good break. Ollie, a number of stories that we're going to continue to follow that we've been talking about today. Yours is one of them. We do wish you all the best. I know that will require somebody else to to, to fall instead of yourselves, but it would be good if you can get get out from this point and uh, quite something. Best. Yeah, good luck, Ollie. Great to talk, Ollie. Thank you. See you. Thank you. I mean, it's not the only story like that we've covered recently. Notts County. Yes. Never relegated from the Football League. They're having a real go, Andy. I know. They're having a real go, Notts County and Macclesfield. Uh, Nip and tuck.
2: I think that. I, I mean, I know they win, Ollie saying if they got 40 points, but that would mean that certainly at least two or three teams above them are going to have to collapse because they're not all going to lose all it's the games it's quite a
0: record there, not it it's an amazing record it's an amazing record relegated tonight from the Premier League oh, yeah. Friday that is Middle East and North Africa and Indonesia Leicester are playing Newcastle United in our part of the world there's Arabic coverage on Be in Sports 2 as well 2 ex Liverpool managers yes Go head to head, head, to head. Yeah. this weekend I should have mentioned earlier Glenn yes. Johnson amongst yes. our guests Tim Cahill is here as well so to Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank Could join you- us through the weekend please and nice. enjoy your sporting weekend thanks for your company